Hello and welcome to These Are the Days of Our Podcast. I'm Jen. And I'm Lisa. And today we are celebrating Bat Appreciation Day, which is celebrated on April 17th. Tell me about your personal experiences with bats. I had a bat in my room once. <laughs> really? Yeah, in university. In Albert Street? Yeah, in the summer when I was living there and working at the university because it was so hot and I lived on the third floor and we I had my windows open and I remember and the fan, the ceiling fan going and I remember walking in and freaking out because <laughs> there was a bat following the fan and I had, I wasn't dating the guy at the time, but I had to call, I called him because it was just Davy and I, and we could not handle it. Useless, have no bat skills. <laughs> no bat skills. And he like got a box and it, cause it had landed on my pictures on the wall. Mm-hmm. And then it was just hanging off the pictures on the wall and he had to get it and take it out. And okay, and then I can't remember exactly, but then I think he was involved in a, this is the guy I was dating. In a, involved in another bat incident and then had to get rabies <gasps> shots but i can't remember if that's from my bat or from the other bat but how did he get a reputation as the bat guy as the guy to call in case of bats i don't know i don't i have no idea i don't know if it was like a just in case it bit him but and then i was like am i remembering this correctly there was like two bats in a span of like a month and then he had to get rabies shots so weird that's pretty terrible but i do want to say that i really highly recommend the corner of youtube that's people freaking out with bats in their house and there's one that's is it me it's this irish family oh (laughs) (laughs) also i can imagine that you would be just very cool calm and collected when there's a bat in your house uh but this uh this irish family is just like so funny and it's Oh, it's amazing. I think that that's an hour of your life well spent is just watching people lose their minds when bats get in. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. One of my closest interactions with a bat, which is probably not a good idea, is when I went to the Bonnachere Caves, which is a system of caves in Eganville, Ontario, which is between Ottawa and Algonquin Park. And it's actually a really cool cave system, but the tour guide obviously likes to play on everyone's somewhat intrinsic fear of bats. And he was just like, guys, guys, put your finger in this hole. (laughs) And just like, never put your finger in a hole in a cave. It was one of the most frightened that I'd ever been in my life. It was just like, I just don't want to do this. I don't want to touch a bat in in a cave. So, yeah, but there's, like, tons of bats there. And especially if you go in the end of the summer, like, early September, that's, like, prime Mm -hmm. bat time in the Bonnachere Caves. When I was younger, my favorite thing at the Royal Ontario Museum was the bat caves. They're so cool. I think bats are really cool. I agree. I think they are very cool, but also... I think that our fear of bats and their reputation for being a little bit frightening is kind of honestly come by as well because some of them do look very weird. Oh, they're weird. They're frightening, so. Yeah. 
so I'm just going to give you a little brief primer on some facts about bats. Because facts. how are we going to appreciate their true glory if we don't know some bat facts? Shall I say that I'm up to bat? No. <laughs> no? no? I mean, okay. if you find a funnier joke, I'll let you say it. <laughs> oh, Yes. I really like the old English name for bats. They were called Flittermouse. Yeah, I like that. That's too. so cute. And apparently in German it was a Flattermouse and Swedish was a Flattermus, which I'm just like that's a very adorable name. I don't really know how we got from Flittermouse to bat cuz that seems like a big linguistic jump. But who knows. There are tons of types of bats. There are over 1,400 species of bats, and this makes them the second largest order of mammals after rodents. And they comprise 20% of mammal species worldwide, which is so many. That's a lot. Yeah. So they're typically divided into two groups of bats. So there's megabats and microbats. Can you guess what the difference is? I mean, it's a difficult one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say one is little and one is big. And you would be completely wrong. <laughs> Actually, though, it is a nonsensical distinction between the two because some megabats are really little and some microbats are really big. And the internet's like, well, you would think that microbats have certain characteristics and megabats have certain characteristics, but it's not really that clearly divided. So I don't really understand what bat scientists are doing. There's no distinction between the two? There is. So basically, megabats are said to be mostly fruit, nectar, and pollen-eating bats, whereas microbats tend to be the ones that prey on insects. But some of microbats also have nectar and fruit, so it's not like a very clear distinction. Uh, but megabats are the ones that they are usually the fruititarian nectarivores. They have larger eyes and good vision, whereas microbats are more the bats that use echolocation, which I'll talk about in a second. And they usually have an insectivore. Insectivores? They like to eat insects. Mmm. Mmm. Delicious. The microbats include the group of vampire bats which feed on small droplets of blood from livestock, like cows and horses and sheep and goats. Or humans. Or humans. Dun, dun, dun. Microbats actually hunt uh, birds, lizards, frogs, and other bats, and sometimes even fish. Like, they will, like, get close enough to the water to, like, suck out oh my fish. God. I <laughs> It's very frightening but there are only six species of vampire bats like there are very few types of vampire bats but i think that most of the pop culture reputation around bats is based on mostly vampire bats so it's really disproportionate to you most bats are really lovely and like fruit and flowers and are really good for our ecosystem but then there's a small subsector that do actually like suck the blood out of goats 
Right. And I feel like it's not great for the marketing spin for, you know, who's in charge of promoting bat species. I understand. I'm pretty sure everyone that's listening to this will know about echolocation. That's one of the characteristics that people like to talk about in bats. Not all bats use echolocation, but it's basically like emitting little clicks of sound these help them locate where they are and also locate prey bat calls can actually be some of the loudest sounds in the animal kingdom bat calls can get up to 140 decibels which what let's look up that's what that is that's like louder than a jet engine yeah 140 is the pain threshold extremely loud is 110 which is a rock concert or a chainsaw then 120 is a police siren 130 is thunder and 140 is when it just starts to hurt and apparently some bats can use subglottic pressure to get their sounds to hit that like pain point just so loud wow when you look up pictures of the weirdest looking bats Mm -hmm. some of them have weird fleshy extensions on their faces one is called like a hammerhead bat it looks kind of like a child drawing a rhino i guess and that like fleshy nose is so that it can it's called nose leaves and it plays a role in getting the sound louder, which I find very bizarre and interesting. Also, the saying blind as a bat is not accurate uh, because while most bat species have poorly developed visual acuity, no species are actually blind. So, oh, they probably have eyesight similar to mine, which is not great. <laughs> so not not blind yet but very close not fully blind yeah but definitely not good at seeing things gotcha gotcha (laughs) i found this study that said that bats were afraid of the moonlight which i love the idea of because when you think of like all of the halloweeny pictures it's like a bat in the moon (laughs) but basically it's just that bats obviously don't like flying when it's really well lit because that means that they're more vulnerable to predators. While some bats are completely solitary, others live in colonies of millions. And there's a cave in Texas called the Bracken Cave that 20 million bats go to every year from March to October. And they just like hang out there. Isn't it ironic that they probably started this pandemic and then they get to hang out together. So this has not been a very good year for bats and bat publicity. There is a really popular rumor that COVID came because of bat soup in China. Yeah. There is no evidence that COVID came from the consumption of bat soup. There is an ongoing investigation by the World Health Organization led by Dr. Peter Mbarek, who's investigating the source of the outbreak. And there is, so there is a natural reservoir of viruses in bats. And that's really where the basis of these rumors start because bats are known to be vectors of disease transmission. However, we can't blame COVID on bat transmission necessarily because we don't actually know the actual origin of this COVID outbreak. But don't they think that it came from a wet market in Wuhan? Yes. And 
Yes. Possibly from the bats at said wet market. It has been linked to the wet market, but it's not exactly sure where the zoonosis happened. So basically, mm. just because there's a reservoir of disease in one species like bats, that does not necessarily mean that it will jump to another species. And the wet market, like there's lots of things that could have happened. And so it's still under active investigation. Yeah. But the main rumor started because there was a viral video of a woman eating bat soup. And that video wasn't even shot in China. It was actually <laughs> taken in 2016 as part of a travel show in the Republic of Palau. And it's since been removed from YouTube. But that really like made its rounds a year ago being like, oh, my goodness, mm -hmm. people eating bats. But one of the reasons why bats are uh, problematic for epidemiologists is that because they are a natural reservoir for pathogens, but they're also highly social. And they also can live around 30 years. So there's a lot of opportunity for them to spread a lot of diseases. And whether or not COVID started from a bat is still to be determined. But rabies, SARS, MERS, and possibly even Ebola all have been shown to be kind of hanging out in the bat population. I mean, they do love coronaviruses. So they do. They could have started this coronavirus. The really interesting thing about bats is that they're not well studied, but their immune system is really interesting because obviously they are able to have all of these viruses and be like carriers of these viruses without them killing it. So mm. there is some studies that are looking at how bat immune systems actually react to viruses because they clearly do it in a different way. So how can bats kind of, they seem to be always having a constant immune trigger. So they're always like immunoactivated. Whereas humans, if your like immune system is activated, you can get sick and die so there's like the toxic side effect to your immune activation they're trying to understand some of these mysteries which could potentially be really important in us understanding immune response so bats are interesting from a <laughs> medical perspective <laughs> so bats are interesting hence the appreci appreciation day exactly and i have a few things that we like that bats have a role in, if you want to hear those. Okay, go. Bats play a really important role in pollinating a lot of different crops. One really important one is tequila or agave plants. The tequila bat pollinates the agave plant and it lives in caves in some of the hottest desert areas of Mexico. About a year ago, there was actually some good news for these species. After 30 years of being critically endangered, the population number has rebounded due to conservation efforts, and so it's no longer endangered. So tequila is no longer endangered, which is great news. <laughs> that is great news Isn't for it? fans of tequila sunrises, tequila shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. All the fans. Some species of fruits like figs and dates almost entirely rely on bats for pollination. So they're super important for biodiversity. They're also good mosquito eaters. They can eat like 3,000 mosquitoes in one night. Oh, a single good bat. job. As someone who feels like 
anytime I'm camping, 3,000 mosquitoes bite me in a single evening. I'm really thankful for bats. And I do actually quite love when you're sitting at a campfire and you can see bats swooping around. Yeah, I think that's cool. I think that's pretty cool. Exactly. There was another really famous viral picture of this man-sized bat in the Philippines. And the largest bats are the flying foxes. And they exist in the Asian archipelago in Australia and Philippines, etc. And they can have a wingspan of nearly six feet. Okay, I've seen those bats in the Philippines. Matthew and I saw them when we were on the island of Palawan. And we remember being like, are there eagles here? Because those are (laughs) huge birds. That's so weird. Because the biggest flying thing we've ever seen, I think, might be an eagle. And no, they were bats. And then I was terrified. Everything will kill you. (laughs) Everything will kill you. But usefully, those bats are vegetarian bats. Those bats aren't actually good. That's what they tell you. (laughs) There's a conspiracy theory on those bats. Mm. Not one, one I'm making up right now. Oh, good. Let's spread more misinformation about bats as our public I mean, that's what this podcast is. (laughs) But they only weigh 1.6 kilograms, so I think you could take it if, like, a giant six foot wide bat came down like it only weighs about the size of a dog so well i can't take my dog and (laughs) she's very little but i think about anything in the sky or the sea i couldn't take Mm. because of just inherent fear of those things yeah um like if i'm in a lake and something touches me I will react the same if it's a piece of leaf or a shark. Yeah, well, that makes sense to me. I I will panic. And if something flies out of the sky and tries to attack me, it's that's the end of me. It's true. So even if the world's smallest bat, the kitty hog-nosed bat, comes at you, you might think that it's the end of things. Because this is also called the bumblebee bat, and it's only 29 to 34 millimeters. So it's like just over an inch long which is just a little itty bitty tiny oh i did look it up and it's so little (laughs) it's so cute and when it has its wings outstretched it's only six inches and it only weighs between two and three grams it's just a little tiny bat it's funny because like you have this bias in which you think that you could take most people in a fight, whereas <laughs> I am just blanket uniformly afraid of absolutely anything like land, air, sea, absolutely anything might kill me. So I can just be afraid of everything. But it's funny that you have like such a inflated view of your ability to take land creatures but then as soon as there's a pigeon or like a floating leaf in a lake involved like you're out you can't handle it you're done no no (laughs) i cannot okay um do you think you're faster than a bat probably no i just spent a year (laughs) lockdown and i exercised for the first time yesterday and i am legitimately broken my body is broken Mm. no that makes sense to me also the fastest bat which is the mexican free-tailed bat can achieve a ground speed of 160 kilometers an hour which i don't even know if i've driven that fast 
in my life. Oh, I have on the Autobahn in Germany. We made Inez go super fast. It was very exciting. I mean, everyone else was going really fast, so it doesn't feel that fast, but it was cool. For, it was cool for the story. <laughs> mm, definitely. I do recommend either not or yes, Googling the grossest looking bats because there are some that have like skin masks or weird like bony protrusions off of their face. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's enough of that. And yeah, you either do or don't want to have nightmares about them. I do want to emphasize that even though some bats are real weird looking, they are really important. It's interesting how useful they are in that they are looked down upon in culture, mm. pop culture, and ancient mm-hmm. culture, for that matter. Definitely. Tell me more. Tell me well, more. Well, <laughs> first, because you know I love totem animals, and I like the idea of what my totem animal will be. I did look up what bats symbolize. So they symbolize death and rebirth, sometimes known as the guardian of the night, is they are largely misunderstood. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, many of its symbolic meanings are inappropriately fear-based. But they do symbolize rebirth because they live in the the belly of the earth. They come out of caves where they emerge womb-like into the evening every dusk. Mm. And so they are reborn every evening. And you did mention this, they have really strong family ties. So uh, it's like nurturing, good verbal communication, sensitivities to members of your group. I've seen that vampire bats actually will share food with other, they're like our good besties. Oh, Some bats are actually really nice to their friends and like just like give them presents. I wouldn't even share a food with you. So that is <laughs> I know. so nice. I need to make friends with more vampire bats, apparently, instead of Lisa's. Yeah, because your best friend won't even share food with no, you. Absolutely But not. you know I love food so much. So why would you ask me to share the food? Actually, I think our friendship has solely survived in because you are allergic to wheat and therefore can't have the really delicious things that I yeah, want. Yeah, it's probably true. And I can have it all to myself. Yeah, and sometimes I'll even have to give you things where I'm just like, oh, I got it. They gave me a cookie. So you get the cookie. Exactly. <laughs> and I think our friendship has survived on probably. that. Probably. But yeah, they're often associated with darkness, death, and the supernatural. So there are some like theories in folklore of why that is. They are strange creatures where they kind of appear as half animal and half bird, like something out of a nightmare world. And I think this duality and strangeness has evolved. So they're like, they're neither here nor there. They feel like a threat. They live and breed in dark, unusual places that have always been associated with the underworld. Because they often breed in dark and unusual places, leaving only at dusk in search of food, they're not part of like the natural order of things. And there's a mystery between this day and night and mammal and bird. Um, There's a lot of different cultures that have just associated bats with darkness and evil. Vampire bats were not actually discovered until the 16th century in Central and South America. But from there, we get probably our most famous Dracula, who very famously is bit by a vampire bat and then becomes a vampire. And after the 16th century, they have a very sinister reputation in European folklore. I really want to do the race in Transylvania. Mm-hmm. 
that starts and ends at Dracula's castle. Yeah. That would be so cool. Very like spooky. Yeah, it would be very spooky. Like I said, they're they're in a bunch of folklore and in Aesop's fables, he has a story about the bat and the weasel. And I think that one expresses the kind of like mystery of like how they're two almost two things at once because it says a bat fell to the ground and was pounced upon by a weasel the bat begged to be spared but the weasel insisted that he could not because he was an enemy of all birds and he was like no well look at me i'm actually a mouse i'm not a bird and so the weasel looked at the bat and said no no okay you're a mouse and released it and then a little while later the same bat was caught by a, a different weasel and then he begged for mercy and the weasel said no no, I would never let mice go. And he's like, well, no, look at me. I'm actually a bird. See my wings? And then the weasel was like, oh, there you go. And he let him go. Does this just mean that they think that weasels are really dumb? Maybe. Aesop is anti-weasel. <laughs> or bats are tricksters and mischievous. So there's a folktale in, from southern Nigeria. And basically, bat tricks this bush rat and his wife into turning himself into a soup. It also explains why bats fly at night because once the bat was arrested for the trickery, the king threw him into jail and he managed to fly off into the bush. They searched all day for him and they realized that they couldn't find him. And so he learned to only come out at night and feed at night very scary but there are some places that view bats more positively what's our favorite air ancient egypt yeah so it's they believed that bats could alleviate or cure many ailments like fever toothache poor eyesight baldness just gotta put a bat on that and if you put their poo over the doors it would prevent disease carrying demons from entering Actually, bat poo is a really good fertilizer. That's what they mm -hmm. use in South America a lot to fertilize. Oh, absolutely. And because it's chemical free, it's said to save like millions and billions of dollars uh, a year because it's such a good fertilizer. However, apparently uh, bat urine and bat poo can smell really bad. Oh, it does. We know that from <laughs> Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Not good. Also, from a, a recent infestation in Queensland in Australia, where they had millions of bats infest this small town, and they were just like, the noise and the smell is just out of control. We can't handle it. And there was one little story where there were so many bats flying that a medevac helicopter could not land at the hospital because there were too many bats. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> Anyways. That was an aside. Continue on what they mean culturally. Yeah. I guess the other big pop culture now, and I mean, we have Batman most famously, Batgirl, another comic in the DC universe. So I think bats, maybe they're, they in the 19th century had a turning point to be something with Batman a little bit. Bruce Wayne, he saves Gotham. So that's like pretty good for bats and like when you need help, you put the bat signal up and then you get help. <laughs> it's a beacon. Of yeah. Saving. So maybe they're having a turning point and they won't be looked on so negatively. It is well deserved because they actually, as we've mentioned, do so much good stuff for the world. Yeah. Whether or not public opinion has swung to be more favorable to bats, it's actually 
theory against the law to be mean to bats. You're just not supposed to bother them. In the UK and also in Canada, bats are protected under wildlife conservation acts. In Britain, if you intentionally take, injure, or kill a bat, or if you disrupt its roost, or even just obstruct the entrance to a bat's roost, you can be fined and imprisoned for up to six months. There was a legal case from last year where a building firm in South London destroyed bat habitat and they were made to pay $600,000, which is the largest fine ever issued for a wildlife crime. This was in Greenwich in 2018. And so basically they had to pay costs of, yeah, $600,000. And also they had to make a donation to the Bat Conservation Trust. Aw. Yeah, don't be mean to bats. And also, if you don't have Lisa's ex-boyfriend around to rescue bats from your house... There is a National Bat Helpline, which is a team of volunteers that are helping people helping bats. And they are available if you found a bat in need of rescue or if you need advice around pest control or to report any bat-based crimes. So this is like the legitimate bat signal. I also recommend videos of bat sanctuaries and bat hospitals just like wrapping up baby bats, kind of like little bat burritos after like taking care of them. Oh, I want a bat burrito. They're so cute. (laughs) All of the people that are working at bat hospitals say that they're really like so gentle and lovely creatures. And so a lot of these negative stereotypes about the darkness and the evil are really not very accurate. We actually have a local bat sanctuary. We do? We walk by it almost every time we go for coffee. It is the entrance to the Parkland Walk. There is these old deserted bits of Highgate Station. So part of Highgate's tube station. Oh, yeah. It was built in 1867. And then they were going to renovate it in the 1930s to create this major interchange in North London. But that never happened. And then like the war, et cetera, et cetera. And so they've just kind of let nature take over. And they've recorded that there's 42 different bats that live there now. And they've really taken it over. And there's like a bat sanctuary. And it's looked after by Transport for London and the London Bat Group which I think is so cool. I think that is cool. One other thing, and I'm going to put the link in the show notes because there is a BBC quiz where you can decide what bat you are. Oh, yeah. I want to know. I'm going to tell you about my own bat identity. I got the Honduran white bat, which is so adorable. It's like a little puff of cotton with just a little like grumpy little squish face. <laughs> just like the Honduran white bat, I love to hide in leaves. I love to hang out in rainforests. I like to make tents out of leaves and sleep in them along with all of my bat friends. Also, my little bright white coat helps me camouflage because when the sun hits the leaves, the white fur kind of appears green so they can't be seen. So that is my my spiritual bat. Very good. Did you get your, your bat identity? Yes, my bat is a pipstrel bat. And I am a super fast flyer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And 
So I do hibernate in the winter, mm-hmm. which is which makes sense. I'm a fan of. Yeah, you're just coming out of hibernation now. Yeah, right. just as the UK has opened up. And a fun fact about me and my bat is that I can eat three thousand gnats in just one night. Oh my goodness, <laughs> this sounds very accurate. Yeah, I'm super fast. My natural athleticism. Natural athleticism. Just a nap all winter. Just love a little torpor. Just melding with the couch. And then lots of snacks. Oh, I'm such a fan. So those are some of the bat facts. Yeah. There are some other things you can celebrate today on the 17th. You can celebrate National Cheese Ball Day, which either maybe via cheese ball puns, like my hilarious bat jokes, or... By actually eating delicious cheese balls, which would be great as well. It's also National Haiku Poetry Day. And it is Husband Appreciation Day. Uh, Man. (laughs) All appreciating today. So two birthdays Mm -hmm. that I recognize on April 17th Mm -hmm. was J.P. Morgan. Very... Famously from that Gilded Age of America. And, of course, had to look up how much he would be worth now. $45 billion. That's a lot. So super rich. And Victoria Beckham. Hmm. Very famously from the Spice Girls. Yes. Great Brit. That's it. That's all I got. Well, I hope you see some bats. They're so cool. Well, we're going to our very first pub excursion. We're going to sit on a pub patio, actually pretty close to the bat sanctuary. So maybe tonight we're going to have social contact, beer, and maybe bats. Maybe bats. Maybe we'll see a bat. Okay. Well, I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye. These are the days, my friends. The hour has and descends. Let's sing and dance and make a bunch of noise. So let the fun. These are the days.